Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott Lentz, here with my good friend and co-host, Christian Ubius. And Christian, for once, coffee might actually, we, we might actually need it more than our movies today, because it is bright and early. It's about 7.15 a.m. here in Los Angeles. I think that we should do this more often. We probably should. It would make cinema... Honestly, this is kind of a vibe. <laughs> more, more reasonable as a name. We are actually sitting here enjoying some coffee together. <laughs> but the only reason we can do this is because both my roommates are on planes right now. It's true. One is leaving us, one is returning to us. So, <laughs> hey, speaking of your former roommates, we got to celebrate uh, uh, former roommate and one-time guest of the show, Timmy Gibson, this weekend. Yes. Congratulations to you, Timmy, on your wedding. He is in Hawaii right now. He is in Hawaii. Celebrating his nuptials. Indeed. Uh, You may remember Timmy from almost causing me to have a mental breakdown when we did our big Marvel Cinematic Universe ranking episode. So, Timmy, if you're out there and you're listening, my apologies. I know it's been a long time, but we're still good friends. But, uh, you know, just want to... Sorry for my reactions that day. Hope you're well. All of my movies got chosen in the order that I wanted them to get chosen in. So honestly, the the yes. Black he he had a, a a criminally low rating of Black Widow. He was like, it's the third worst MCU movie. I'm like, bro, bro, that's not even in the conversation. Uh, we'll have to save our uh, more of our Marvel Cinematic Universe thoughts for another day because we get to tar- turn our attentions onto another industry unto himself in filmmaking. And that is, of course, James Cameron. Uh, Christian, you were in charge of curating our blend of the month here for the month of November. So why don't you go ahead and just talk uh, talk to Cameron a little bit why you wanted to look at his movies. And um, obviously we've got Avatar The Way of Water coming up later this year. But I know you're a fan, so I wanted to give you a chance to have the floor here at the top of the top of the blend. It's... I wouldn't have always said that I was a fan of James Cameron. And the more that I look at his filmography, the more that I even revisit movies, James Cameron just does something that to me very few other filmmakers do. And it's not his his uh, honestly incredible and you can't teach this approach to visuals. It's not his incredible and you can't teach this approach to just specific shots in movies or amazing concepts behind his scripts. It's much more so he's someone who cares about the audience in a way that is staggering. If he ever feels that his movie is dragging, that's when he knows to put in the action scene. That's when he knows to blow up a building. And legitimately blow up a building. Like, these are not exaggerations. It's it's quite fantastic. His one-liners... By the way, his use of dialogue looks like it, they were written by horny 12-year-olds. His dialogue is some of the corniest dialogue that's out there. And yet, it's so badass when you see it said by Linda Hamilton or by Arnold Schwarzenegger or by Sigourney Weaver... It's, it's incredible. And I'm I'm excited. I always show up to his movies. I mean, by that I mean I showed up to Avatar because that was the only one I was alive for. And let me tell you, <laughs> it was a great time. Christian, are you telling me you didn't find yourself a, a museum or an IMAX theater that was showing Ghosts of the Abyss or whatever other deep sea diving documentaries he made? No, but I wouldn't be surprised if my mom took my eight-month-old self to see Titanic. 
you know, I mean, great mom. If so, obviously it trickled it was down a hit in Peru. It obviously trickled down to you. You're a massive fan of that movie. We discussed it previously on Wait, this show. But 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 tell me, what are your thoughts on James Cameron? Just overall. I mean, just overall, he is just a huge Hollywood force, and he has a massive impact on the industry. And it's amazing to see that who he is and how his career has sustained over so few movies, relatively. He only has nine? Is something that true? Like only that. nine directed movies? Maybe 11 One, two, three, written? Four, five, six, eight. eight, with Way of Water wow. making nine. And one of those is Piranha 2, The Spawning, which he was allegedly fired off of early <laughs> into production. So... He is also someone who I ran into for the first time in Avatar because I did not watch the Terminator movies. I didn't sneak them on HBO or whatever when I was growing up. So Avatar was also my first experience with him, and it blew me away in theaters. I watched, I saw it three times in theaters, and I have tried to get back to some of his movies since. And although I've only seen at this point the Terminator movies, which of course we're discussing today, and I was rewatching them for this show, and now I've seen Titanic. So I am looking forward to catching up with the rest of his movies, because I have been a pretty huge fan, almost without exception. <laughs> I mean, not almost, without exception so far, with both Terminators, with Titanic, and Avatar. So He, he co-wrote Strange Days, which you're a massive did. fan of. I am a huge fan of Strange Days. He co-wrote that with his, I, I believe, wife at the time, Catherine, Catherine Bigelow, Bigelow, who directed it, and she crushed it. Strange Days is an amazing movie that is little seen these days, partially because it's hard to get. I had to rent it from a video store, but... He also co-wrote Rambo First Blood. Yeah, he, he worked as a writer quite a bit. He's only directed a few movies, but before he was king of the world, so to speak, he helped work on quite a few productions. I mean, he worked on Escape from New York with John Carpenter in 1981 as a visual effects artist, as a photographer and mad artist. And so he's worked on quite a few movies behind the scenes, especially working with his wives, like Catherine Bigelow. He's been married five times. Uh, one, His most recent marriage was in 2000, so that one seems to have lasted. Good for them. But he's worked on quite a few movies, and really before his career individually took off, he's, he's got some credits here and there. So... An excellent career from Cameron, and obviously it continues with the Avatar sequels beginning, hopefully, <laughs> with Way of Water in December of this year. So I we figured it was high time to talk about some more of Cameron's works here on the show. So Christian, I now turn it over to you to intro Terminator and Terminator 2. So Terminator and Terminator 2, it's weird because they have spawned a franchise that no one talks about. No one ever talks about the franchise of Terminator movies, but they talk about Terminator and they talk about T2 a lot. Unfortunately for those movies, it's mostly for good reason. <laughs> I like T3. It, it's decent, yeah. It's decent, yeah. Uh, the Terminator. Now, Terminator is the second movie that he was ever able to direct. And it, he had a fever dream, apparently, during the stress of directing Piranha 2, where he saw this man or this kind of android-looking like individual. monster, yeah. With with knives for arm, and reaching out, and so he was inspired by John Carpenter's Halloween to try and turn that into a slasher-ish contemporary science fiction movie. Uh, he sold the rights of it for a dollar, just so that he could direct it. Because, I mean, Piranha Two did not, you know, captivate people is <laughs> is probably the best no, way to say that no it did not now 
Outside of that, he was inspired by 1980s action movies of the time and 1970s action movies, such as Mad Max 2. Uh, also, it made, it was made between 5 and $11 million, somewhere around According there. According to the good people at Wikipedia, it's 6.4. So, so yes, <laughs> between 5 and 11. Yeah, so, so mid-budget there. And it made back 78, so completely defying all expectations and... Cool usage of some stop motion graphics, which you really get to see when when Schwarzenegger loses his skin. Yeah, you do get a sense that Cameron's background in various aspects of filmmaking, but visual effects specifically, definitely help the Terminator uh, escape some potential cheesiness or corniness. It looks great. And T two, the third highest grossing film of all time at the time that it was released, which was made for a much much larger. Budget. I want to say it was around 100 million at that point, and that's because it included the main villain was one of the first ever computer generated main characters in a blockbuster movie. Uh, they were unsure of how it was going to turn out, so they relied a lot on some notable visual effects people, primarily, most notably, Industrial Light and Magic to make sure, hey, can this be done or are we crazy? And so they kind of helped them through. They, also, the script for T2 was written in only seven weeks because they were trying to purchase back the rights of the script from the people who had produced the first Terminator movie. Uh, and let's just say that it is considered one of those rare occasions when the sequel is better than the original. Indeed it is. I mean, Terminator 2 is widely considered one of the best action movies of all time. One of the best, you know, Hollywood blockbusters we've ever gotten. So, the Terminator itself is a beloved movie, but Terminator 2 obviously blew the doors uh, off, the, off the box office, off the franchise, off expectations of these kinds of movies. And, I mean, James Cameron was already big by the point it came out. Aliens had come out between those, those these two movies, but, again, just helping him on that very quick rise to the top in Hollywood. Let's give a general plot breakdown, and then I'll, I'll jump into our opening question. Let's do it. So, I believe the year is 2029. The year is 2029 AD. Los Angeles. The machines have taken over and search for the human resistance fighters. The machines have taken over because in 1997, nuclear war strikes and kills everything. And... Three billion human lives are lost on that day, and the remaining ones are faced with, well, subservience. They're kept alive by the machines to do some grunt work, and so they mount resistance. The leader of the resistance is John Connor, and they, I think, beat the machines by the sense of destroying their defense system. However, to prevent this, the machines sent back two Terminators, and this is very important. They sent back one to the year 1984 to kill John Connor's mom, Sarah Connor, played by Linda Hamilton. And the Terminator they sent back then is Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator. Yes, it is. And they sent back a Terminator to 1995. And uh, the the peoples, the, the resistance, sends back a human to 1984 and they reprogram a Terminator to send back to 1995 and those are the two time frames that we are working in now one of the 
the great ideas, I would say, uh, of Hollywood movies, having Arnold play the villain in the first movie and then reworking it so he plays the hero, hero in the, in the second, second movie. movie. It's ingenious, and obviously Schwarzenegger was a massive, massive star at the time, too, so very smart on, on their part. And the first Terminator comes out, he's on the rise, he's making Conan the Barbarian, and when the second movie comes out, the Schwarzenegger train is off to the off to the races. So I think it also he either had just made or was making Total Recall, which is another classic from. Yeah, that I time. think that comes out a couple. I want to say a couple years later in in the nineties, but that I might be forgetting when exactly that came out. Now, Scott, are you ready for your opening question? Or is there anything else you want to mention? Um, I, I mean, I think the only the only other big thing worth mentioning is that. Sarah Connor is played by Linda Hamilton in both of these Who movies. Who played Chuck Bartowski's mom and Chuck. <laughs> Shout out to Chuck fans out there. Uh, I, I was not among them, unfortunately. But Great TV show. I, I have heard good things from people who have watched it. it. It's one of those shows that was a little un, unsung um, at the time. It hasn't maintained a huge reputation, but I know it's got its fans. But either way, Linda Hamilton, who never... I don't think she had the career that she deserved based on her performance in these two massive movies... And of course, sometimes there are reasons for that. Just kind of poking around her, her Wikipedia, I think she had some some struggles in her life, and it affected her career. She also, you know, had a family, of course. And Hollywood doesn't always uh, treat women who take that route nicely. But she's just an incredible piece of both Terminator and Terminator Two, and I would say as important as Schwarzenegger. Maybe slightly less so, but um, yeah, she's she's a great piece of it here. And I just want to make sure we got her shouted out here at the beginning. Lastly, of course, John yeah. Connor, played by Edward Furlong in his debut performance in Terminator 2, so we'll get to him as well. It's going to be weird as we divide up. We're, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to guide this discussion with the assumption that the people have seen these movies, because to continuously divide what is Terminator and what is Terminator 2 is not how I want to do this. <laughs> All right. So uh, be warned, folks. Spoilers are afoot. There's not a ton... There's, there's maybe one big twist. You already said the big spoiler, which I is did? that Schwarzenegger was the hero in the second movie. But even so, that that's not even a spoiler, you know? It might have been a... I, I mean, I haven't watched trailers from the time, but I don't think people were exactly... It was. It was a spoiler. Like there when, you go. When so, Tyler... When my roommate Tyler saw it for the first time, then he, like, pulls out the rifle from the Bed of Roses. Yes. He's like, oh. <laughs> Which is a great shot that feels like it's in a different movie. <laughs> but, it, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, so I guess it may be a spoiler, but I hadn't seen these movies, and I knew that Schwarzenegger was a good guy in Terminator 2, because it was Robert Patrick playing the T-1000. So, sorry there if you haven't seen the Terminator movies yet, and one of that surprise intact, but... We will be spoiling these movies further, just talking about them in full, not trying to be wary of that. So this is your final warning. So, Scott, we have seen the original Terminator, and we have seen the sequel. James Cameron is a unique screenwriter, and I'm going to focus in on his, on his ability to create a concept. He's a unique screenwriter because he's interested in the idea of man versus machine and what man versus machine reveals about man. Now, where does he get to play more with this concept and with these revelations in 1984's Terminator or in 1991's Judgment Day? It's funny. We haven't even said Judgment Day up until this point in the podcast. Everyone just calls it T2. You know, what's interesting about that question specifically is that the, the emphasis is on the verses in the Terminator 
we have Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese, who has come back to protect her. We really do have them against the Terminator on the run, trying to survive, and seeing if there's any way they can get rid of him using contemporary weapons and tools. But in Terminator 2, with Schwarzenegger coming back now as the hero, what's interesting is that Cameron not only takes Sarah Connor and John Connor on emotional journeys, but also takes the T-100 on a journey as well, because he learns from John what it is like to be human. And as, as far as a robot who's not who's maybe thinking but not very feeling, can, can learn. He learns things about humans from using slang and catchphrases to why humans feel pain and, and why they cry. And so, it might, I don't know, it, it, the first movie, the emphasis is on the versus and the, the against. But in the second movie, it is about nature and can, can a machine learn to be human? And I think it's more compelling in Terminator 2. Not that the first Terminator is any less compelling in the man versus machine category because there is just great scene after great scene with Kyle and Sarah trying to escape the monster. But the theme itself, I think, is better explored in the second movie. There's a fantastic quote at the end of the first Terminator, which, spoiler, because there's a Terminator 2, Sarah Connor survives and the Terminator does not where she says, you've been terminated, as she crushes it. <laughs> Which is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Get Linda Hamilton getting her 80s catchphrase. Which, of course, Schwarzenegger would go on to be an actor famous for those kinds of hokey puns in his movies. His Mr. Freeze and the, the Batman movie, of course, criticized for that. So it's just funny that she gets that moment with him in a movie. The... The idea in that first movie is to show you how much we should dread the oncoming war and to show you how effective, how ruthless these machines are. And now the, the second one has much more nuance in that, yes, we do see a reprogrammed Terminator being the only thing that can be a father figure to John Connor because his father is well, well we'll talk about his father later but his father is just let's just say not in the picture however um, it's dealing much more with and shows shots of the playground catching on fire due to a nuclear strike and how th this shot of the two little boys going at each other with toy guns and saying it's in we're gonna destroy ourselves aren't we and Schwarzenegger saying it's in your nature to do so so, I mean, I agree with you. Look, by all intents and purposes, all intents and purpose, T2 is a better movie. T2 has more nuance, has better action scenes, and it, it is like spreading a very wide net and reaching everything that it's going for. But T1 is so focused and such a slasher because I... Okay, here's the thing. It's not a slasher. I, I believe... That the idea of a slasher is that you need to have either a chainsaw or a knife or a sword. Something to slash with. Something to slash with. But it's a horror movie. And I, 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 in my mind, I thought, Scott is going to say, no, Christian, this is not a slasher movie. It is a science fiction movie. And I was already mentally saying, Scott's freaking stupid. What's he talking about? Well, I am stupid, but it, it absolutely <laughs> is 
is a horror movie, at least in, in flavoring. And I would argue a slasher movie in some of the choices that Cameron makes, specifically, I mean, even said in dialogue at times. Like you mentioned, he is inspired by John Carpenter and inspired by Halloween, not just in making a, a an excellent movie on a limited budget, which... Which he did. Which he did. Also hilarious because Halloween was made for, like I think, a million bucks, maybe less. Yeah. And Terminator was made for over six million. So <laughs> let's... Small let, budget. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's, be, let's be careful, James Cameron, and how we talk about our budgets. But also, of course, in, just inspired by the movie. And, and he's lifting things from Carpenter to put into his, his movie, which obviously filmmakers do all the time. And one of those things is, is that as Kyle Reese, who's played by Michael Bean, which we haven't mentioned his name at this point... He Michael is, Bean's great in this movie. He's great. Uh, talk about someone else who didn't really get to go on to a huge Hollywood career, but maybe should have. He is talking to Sarah about the Terminator because she is, of course, so overwhelmed at what's happening to her. This this robot monster is chasing after her out of nowhere. And he's telling her that basically the Terminator will not stop until he has terminated you. Which is very similar to other slasher villains that's that's the point most often is that they don't stop until the the teenagers or the camp counselors whoever it is they're chasing is dead and you can see how cameron lifts from that type of movie and inspires his even though it's not particularly scary it's definitely a, a sci-fi action-ish movie i mean probably just have to say an action movie but he has taken those those bits of flavoring from horror movies like Halloween, and it's made a, a better overall dish, if you will, for the Terminator. So, what what exactly do you remember from from T one that that were those horror shots? Um, in, in terms of the actual, like, how do we? shoot this no 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 like that, that like the most iconic frames most iconic frames i am i'm trying to think of i don't i i, I have left me i wish i had a better visual yeah, memory yeah. but if you have something to say go ahead and say it because i'll be searching my racking my brain for one so i um i i told you that i started that i didn't start i i joined a bible study recently and they have an opening question like they are icebreaker ish and it's it's a it's a Bible study only for people who work in Hollywood or who want to work in Hollywood, and it's like what's an image from your childhood that gave you nightmares was the one for the first one I ever went to and I'm like all right this 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 Bible study means business, and the thing that I do think scared me because Terminator, my parents didn't let me watch it but I would always catch glimpses of it because both of them are fans, um, is when all of the Terminator skin comes off and you just see the silhouette of the machine against the red backdrop. And that, as a child, gave me chills. And still, when I see it, and this, uh, these are people who, who is that legendary, is it Henry Walterhausen? Who's a legendary stop motion animator? Oh, yeah. Um, Roy Harryhausen. Roy Harryhausen, who inspired all of these people who are working on this probably because as it just stop motion me walks across stage each jagged movement scared me more it's ray harryhausen i'm kicking myself I got ray harryhausen 
So that's, that's, I always remember that specific shot. And there are some other shots in this movie that are kind of cool. Like when, um, what is it? When, when he shows up to, to Sarah Connor's apartment. And I, I was going to bring that yeah. scene up. Talk about it then. Yeah. Sarah has a roommate, of course, Ginger, who just a very hilarious part to play. She has a few minutes of screen time. But Ginger constantly has her headphones in and is listening to music up to and including having her boyfriend come over and they, they sleep together and they're still listening to music through her headphones. And she then, after they have finished their time together, she gets up and goes to the kitchen and does naturally what you do after sex, which is make a huge sandwich, get a big glass of milk and some celery with peanut butter, you know, just like normal people do. And the Terminator shows up, because at this point in the movie, he has been searching for anybody named Sarah Connor in the phone book, showing up at their address and just murdering them. And so he thinks that Ginger is Sarah. And before he gets to her, he actually comes into the bedroom first, and that's where he sees her boyfriend, played by Rick Rosovich, who people might recognize from Top Gun also. And I do recognize him from Top Gun. Yeah. There you go. And he of course, kills the both of them, unfortunately. And that scene is, does play out a little bit like a, a similar scene would in a slasher, where the main character escapes the villain, but her best friend doesn't, or her love interest doesn't. We know whatever it is, where the villain has finally showed up. And it's, it is like, if not, it's not outright scary, but it is one of those scenes where you have those, those horror stylings. I think another one, in, in terms of sort of using some of those special effects, like you talked about, to to spook a little bit before the Terminator's skin comes off and we see the metal frame, which is pretty spooky. He actually is, I guess I could say starting to decompose. He almost. looks like a Ken doll is always the thought that comes into my mind because specifically it's one of his eyes that have come off. Right. And so underneath, you know, he's got the metallic eye that's glowing red and that's like the major symbol that you can tell something's a Terminator is like the red glowing eyes that are overcast on all sides by the metal. And it's, it, yeah, his skin seems glossier for some reason, almost like it's lo- it's paled. Yeah, he it, he's, from the wounds he's suffered, you can tell that obviously the machine is fine, but the outer layer of skin or whatever is not fine. And you can see the wounds on his body. His He's pale and pallid and he's... That for whatever reason, he's found this room at a hotel to stay in and, and work on his... He does a little robot surgery on himself. And the guy who operates the hotel comes by to clean the room. And then Cameron undercuts the, the scariness with some comedy because the guy's like, Hey, buddy, it smells like a dead cat in there. You all right? And you see the Terminator's interface. It goes through and gives him a few different responses to that guy. And, of course, he settles on the F-U-A-hole response one of the very few but always wonderfully delivered lines arnold gets in this movie but it, it, it's it's what i it's what i said before james cameron writes dialogue like a horny teenager or like uh <laughs> this is what i think is cool <laughs> and and yeah cameron notably winner winner of multiple oscars best not picture winner once nominated for best screenplay no sir <laughs> but I, I i will say yes like Dialogue, by all intents and purposes, is, is is not, you know, the best dialogue you're ever going to get. However, these concepts, I do think, deserve recognition. 
and not everyone can come up with these concepts and execute them to the mastery level that he does but and i mean with the terminator part of the 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 strength of the film is so much in the craft and the Mm -hmm. filmmaking whether it's the brief glimpses of the post-apocalyptic future we get which you can make a whole movie there and those those sequences are so impressive for the budget at the time he, he also insists on writing his own scripts right and so I, like he when he writes i'm assuming because like i have never i mean yes i've directed stuff before but when i write i write how i you know would view myself directing it and and for for him to do that maybe screenwriting no no screenwriting is his gift honestly is a gift that he has because he writes it bec- so that he can accomplish the vision yeah, he, he co-wrote this with Galen Hurd, who was also the, the producer, very yeah. key in the behind-the-scenes development of the movie. And he would go on to marry her, actually. They were married for the rest of the 80s, basically. Married after this movie. And then he had to um, buy the rights back from her, yes. which cost much money. Yes. <laughs> she uh, she obviously is a, is a key collaborator behind the scenes here. Not, of course, in, in writing and in producing, but just very key in getting this this movie made especially with a low budget movie like this producers are often very important just in pulling the project together getting the right people involved and with cameron not exactly being a power player in hollywood at this point she's obviously got an enduring legacy because of the terminator and and her work as well so let's move on to t2 we definitely need to touch on if what we touched on the first terminator was like the thrills and, and the horror that we were able to see t2 is all action what are we should let's touch on the key action moments from terminator 2 i mean there's so many (laughs) there's so many and and let me let me start us off kind of wacky so what's the what's the model what's robert robert patrick what's robert patrick's terminator model is it the t the t1000 it's the t1000 right so the t1000 is computer generated it looks like a stick of goop yeah, it's some sort of liquid metal. metal. Yes. Which, yeah, goop. That's a good way of putting it. And so he can form into anything and copy anyone's appearance, which honestly they don't do much with that. Like only they do say this. They give us a rule, which is that he has to he has to physically touch whatever he wants to copy to basically scan it and be able to replicate the appearance. Which limits it just enough, so he, he copies yeah. a few different people in the movie, and he, at one point, one of my favorite uses of the T-1000's abilities, copies the floor. Oh, I love <laughs> when he becomes the floor. And then rises up to, you know, possess, quote-unquote, someone else. So, but but this T-1000 is after, it tracks down John Connor's foster family, and kills his foster mom off-screen assumes her appearance and then is on the phone with john connor who's just escaped with schwarzenegger um who's calling back to warn them to get out of town he doesn't know that she's you know been terminated that he's too late yes yeah and his foster dad who hasn't been terminated yet asks what she's doing or who he she's talking to or what he's up to um and she just reaches out her arm and you hear a thud before you see it and then when the camera finally turns over you see that her arm has become a metal knife that has been shoved through his skull as he's drinking milk 
I always remember the fact that he's drinking milk when 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 this happens. Yes, poor Xander Berkeley. He's he's very much a someone you'll recognize if you've watched enough movies or enough TV shows. He pops up all over the place in these '80s and '90s. One of those projects. that guys. One of those that guys. But I I love that off-screen kill and just that knife and how this was done and also every single time they shoot at the T-1000 and it's liquid metal but like the the bullet will will push through some of the metal and you see that that liquidy part inside but that's you know it's just kind of savage back before he reinflates himself back basically yeah, that the effects for the T-1000, considering that this is, like, one of the first ever CGI characters like this, they're judiciously used, and that we do just get a lot of Robert Patrick, and he gives it an incredible performance as well. Very early in his career, and he's pulling off this villain role incredibly capably. But when they do break out the effects, whether it's to have those big bullet splashes on him, or to have him goop up from the floor and take, and take someone over, or launch the sword out of his arm or whatever you want to call it they're used well enough and enough work was put into them that they don't they don't hold back the movie because of course going back to big budget movies like this there's always a chance that the effects don't age well and so you kind of you have a laugh at the movie's expense and there are a couple moments in these movies where you, you do feel that but honestly the the t-1000 effects still look great and you when it comes to aging effects, sometimes you appreciate them. Like at the end of the Terminator, when we see just the metal frame walking in its stop motion, I actually appreciate that because yeah. I, I admire the craft put into it, even if it does look just a little herky-jerky. But, but with this too, it's you, yeah. you, you appreciate the visuals, especially when they get more dramatic. Like there's a point where he gets split in half almost and then seals back together. Yeah. And it's those kinds of things that still look great. Right. And it's and partially because they were reserved and they used Patrick just as an actor so much and only break out the effects when they need to. Because, so, it was so much work in 1990 when uh, or 1991 when they were doing this effects that even at just doing effects for 15 seconds would take 10 days to cut and pierce together. And so they had to. It's just like we can't, you know, have two hours of straight goop because this movie would never be done. And also, this movie, the theatrical release prints of it, didn't hit theaters till the day before it was scheduled to be to premiere. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, the, the budget blew up, it overran its schedule, and like you said, the, the prints barely arrived on time. So normally, when those things happen, you then find out that the movie was a colossal failure, but of course, Terminator 2 was one of the biggest hits of that year. The, I mean, the biggest movie one of the biggest movies of all time by that point and it won a bunch of oscars and and, and a very funny turn of events where the terminator itself was sort of this sleeper hit low budget not a ton of awards attention then terminator 2 is this massive massive hit gets a, and it gets a ton of love from the academy too it's awesome i mean even and that's also like been the arc of his career titanic ran like everyone for months oh panned it everybody said titanic was going to be a disaster that, that's all of the the contemporary reporting from the time is learning that all this drama is happening on set that cameron is a jerk to everybody and he's he's shot for the moon he's not even going to reach the sky you know but of course titanic was literally the biggest movie of all time until he topped himself 20 years later so. and and when he or not 20 but and when he did avatar they didn't want 
or they were like confused as to the budget he was making and he pointed at the buildings around the movie studio and said i made titanic i paid for those buildings <laughs> i built this for you yeah i mean james cameron what a guy <laughs> but okay um what are some other i mean there were so many action scenes in t2 that just i mean you got the one of the big signature scenes early in the movie is after john is at a at a mall he goes to an arcade with a friend and the t-1000 and schwarzenegger back as his reprogrammed terminator they're both converging on his position and like you said you know your roommate didn't know who was going to be the good guy who was going to be the bad guy and they they do reveal it as john is trying to escape from them he realizes something is wrong and schwarzenegger pulls out his gun from that box of roses like you said and he says, get down. And so John does, and he starts shooting at Robert Patrick. And on, during the escape, Schwarzenegger is able to, to pull him onto his, onto his bike, and they're getting away from Patrick in this giant truck that they've driven down into. I don't even know what you call it. Like this little, I, I forget the official name, but like Waterway in, in Los Angeles here. And it's this unbelievable chase scene in that so much of it is practical, where there's actually stunt drivers driving the motorcycle, driving the truck, and they're actually like crashing through and careening around Los Angeles. Like this, it's it, it just a huge tone setter early on in the movie. And there's a ton of incredible vehicle work in these movies, whether it's, you know, people leaning out and, and shooting uh, or it's crashing these, these things and obviously doing it in a way that nobody dies <laughs> like for real. Or you have Schwarzenegger launching grenades at cop cars near the end of the movie and <laughs> blowing them all up. That, but that, that early scene is widely, it was widely known to me as one of the signature scenes of the franchise, and it's just an incredible way to, to kick things off from an action perspective. Let's talk about Linda Hamilton. Let's. She is our heroine, and honestly, she's also a trailblazer because in 1984, when, this, when the first Terminator premiered, there, there have been studies done about how she paved the way for female heroines to take center stage in a movie in ways that they had not been allowed to do so before. Yeah. I think it's also notable, again, talking about James Cameron, how he has done this more than just once. I mean, having worked with Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. Right. The, one of the predecessors, of course, to Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor is Sigourney Weaver as Ripley in Alien, which is 1979. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, honestly, they say that he took a back step with Kate Winslet in Titanic, but also Kate Winslet in Titanic is the one who survives. And also the, the um, what was it, with Jamie Lee Curtis in 1994's True Lies. Right. There's just... His sh- other collaboration with, with Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger as well. Um, and now we'll see what he does with Zoe Saldana in The Way of Water. But Zoe Saldana was great in the first Avatar. So he can work very, very well with action women, which is not always a role that women have had. But in this part, in 1984 and 1991, did Linda Hamilton work for you? Oh my gosh, absolutely. She, she, is, she is so good in The Terminator. And what's fascinating about her is that a lot of times, of course, when you're returning to a franchise and you continue on a performance, you can do something similar. You know, maybe the character learns some new things about their past, or, or they make some choices about their future, or They, but they, you know, they fall in love with the same person, or a new love interest 
they fight a different bad guy, they tell a couple jokes and pull off a couple stunts, and that's it. But she gets to give two very distinct performances in The Terminator and in Terminator 2 because of what happens to her. And in, in that, at the end of The Terminator, she survives, she's taken away to go to the hospital, and naturally you think, well, a person like that who's trying to tell her story would not be treated seriously. If she's saying, this guy from the future came back to protect me from this robot monster who was chasing after me and trying to kill me because machines take over and destroy the world and my son is going to lead the resistance, people would think you're crazy. And that's exactly what happens to her in Terminator 2. We find out that she's been kept in a state hospital. She's being overseen by a psychologist who's introduced in the first movie, actually, Dr. Silverman, played by Earl Bowen. And she is much more hardened as a person in Terminator 2. She... We also do learn that before she was institutionalized, she had been training John as a child in different survival skills, martial arts and combat skills, helping him become resourceful. And those two, these two movies allow her two different acting challenges. Where in the first one, she is a little similar to the heroines of slasher films, where she's not quite playing the final girl, like super innocent virgin type of character. But she does, in comparison to her roommate, she's a little more reserved. Her guy stands her up for a date, so she goes out by herself. She's scared and, and frightened, and doesn't really find her courage until later on in the movie. And in Terminator 2, she is, like, damaged and violent and wrestles with that side of her nature because of what's happened to her and is confronted not only by her own desires and kind of wrestling with herself but also has her son who's trying to, to help her as well and i mean just two really really great performances which is why it makes me sad that she didn't go on to a massive hollywood career it, it wasn't over for her after terminator 2 by any means she continued to act in big movies throughout the 90s but just yeah, some, some great work for her. Is there any particular moments or scenes that you were hanging on to? Well, the thing is, in, in the first Terminator, she's very reactionary. You know, because she's been thrust into this position, and in T2, she gets to be the, the lead action. I will propel this plot forward. I will do this in order to save my son, stop this Terminator, save humanity also. She's putting on the... The, the actual weight of the entire world on her shoulders but in terms of specific scenes i i mean there are there are a couple different ones i love her watching the tapes of michael bean talking about the terminator as as he's being kept in the um in the police station and the reason it's so funny is because when you watch it in conjunction with t2 now she is the one you know who's in the tapes it it's it's goes full circle right. they do play a couple of those moments they do it again in terminator yeah. 2 whether it's repeated lines like the come with me if you want to live moment or like you said seeing the 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 videos basically captured by a psychologist and first movie it's kyle reese second movie it's sarah connor they're really smart about that and it's not bad like franchise fan servicey it's mm -hmm. actually recurring motifs so I'll, I'll also refer back to the when when she said you've been terminated. It, it, it's amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a cheesy line, but she just commits completely to the moment, and, and it's it totally works. 
And I'm trying to think in T2. I mean, in T2, when she goes into the car and drives off and no one knows. Yo, okay. The 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 lead scientist in T2. Yes. Dyson. Dyson. When she goes with the sniper rifle and is going to take him out in order to prevent him and Skynet from, from forming and destroying humanity. Just as she goes into the house and she's already shot him, I believe, in the leg... And his family, his kid, his wife are around him. And you can see her mind like working in, in the, I still must kill him, but now all of these other things are coming into mind. It's fantastic. Or when they're in the exploding lab and she puts the gas mask on John so that he can breathe as she like ushers him into the van that Schwarzenegger has been able to get for them to escape all of the the... I don't know what kind of it's, it feels like it's just a pepper spray bomb. Yeah, the the police have surrounded them and they've launched some peppers or not pepper spray, but they like some kind of gas tear some, gas or something to get them incapacitated so they can handcuff them and take them away. And, and that in and of itself, there's so much determination in in what she does, and you see the arc of that in the first Terminator. That it's 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 she's fantastic. Hundred percent agreed. And last thing that I have, we have to talk about Arnold. I mean, I know we've, we've barely touched on him, but two just foundational performances in his career. Like we said, one at the beginning, helping him explode into movie stardom, and one where he is on top of the world making these massive action movies. Just, I mean, do you, do you like Arnold as a screen presence? Because... These days, of course, he can be a little bit divisive. Like, some people don't love his his style. Some people do. So I'm curious what you think. I do. Because I think he knows he's cheesy. And he... I don't know. He's He's playing, you know, a robot. And if someone were to come out here and tell me that Arnold Schwarzenegger started malfunctioning... And that we find out he actually is a robot, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's or 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 he played Conan the Barbarian. Like if someone was like, actually, he was transplanted here from the year eight hundred and four. <laughs> I mean, makes sense. He's he's not. He's he's either not a man or too much of a man. Is is like the best. He he's larger than life. He is quite a bit of man. That is for sure. <laughs> and, and that's that's how he's used here he understands he can take down anything and anyone and that's what we're playing with that's how cameron wants to use him i so i've i've seen him in conan the barbarian i've seen him in red sonja which is a pretty pretty good movie honestly um i've seen him in these terminator movies i'm i'm i know i've seen him in a couple of other things none of which come to mind right now but yeah, the the fact that it's always on his superhuman ability or his raw ability. And even here, as he is a legit machine calculating everything, he calculates everything but then puts strength at 250,000%. It doesn't, it, like, it looks calculated, but it also looks like he could have used a little bit less strength. <laughs> It's fantastic. The cheesy one-liners that go alongside all of the explosions, how he like works loopholes into everything, how the camera knows how to just follow him around. 
and you can definitely tell this is a very very simple filmmaking technique if you want to shoot someone as larger than life then the camera goes below them so that it's shooting up and that's what this camera does a couple different times not that you need to i mean he's a beast but it does so and, and it makes him a very compelling villain in the first one and a very i'm glad he's on our side hero in the second oh yeah and i think he's actually doing a, a decent bit of acting too yes. obviously schwarzenegger is not necessarily praised for his pure acting skills he's very very loved for his presence for his line delivery his comedic chops but being able to play this robotic figure while becoming an indelible character of the movies could have fallen apart in the hands of someone who didn't really understand how to sell the Terminator as a character. And he really crushes those those few lines that he gets in the first movie. And something as simple as, I'll be back, becomes <laughs> this ridiculously famous line in movies, even though it's just, I'll be back. And if somebody else undersells that line before he comes crashing into the police station again, it's not one of those iconic movie lines. And in the second movie, of course, he gets a lot more screen time and the opportunity to develop a bit as his, his AI learns about humans and humanity. And he gets to be funny. But of course, he's not overselling those comedic moments. He's staying true to the robotic nature of the Terminator. And so as young John is teaching him slang, like, you know, saying no problemo if you're not bothered. Or if you're trying to sass someone, hasta la vista, baby. Which, of course, becomes this other... He combines it. He combines it with... No, no, no. No problemo. Hasta la vista, baby. No. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. No, there's something about dick breath? Mm. Dickwad, yes. Dickwad. <laughs> but yeah, again, hasta la vista, baby, is a line that I knew was in Terminator 2 because of Arnold yeah. well before I saw this movie. So being able to capture that robotic nature of the Terminator 2, just an actual skill on his part. The other thing I would mention is that, just while I was doing a little bit of reading up on the movie, he really did work hard with the this, the stunt people that, you know, the folks making the action happen to make sure that he could confidently and robotically walk through these chaotic action scenes. Because the Terminator himself, especially in Terminator 2, is just walking through, shooting dudes as things are blowing up around him and all, all kinds of chaos is unfolding. And of course, Arnold had to stand there while all this chaos was happening on set. And so being able to even master that piece of the character too, I think you gotta, you gotta give kudos, uh, give credit where credit is due. It, it's just a lot of commitment and work for a part that could have just been like, whatever, give me a paycheck. But he, again, he knocks out of the park himself. And I think he's got some well-deserved praise for these movies. He's obviously a huge yeah. movie star, but still. You, you buy that he is a father figure to John Connor in the second one. Just in the way that he looks down and smiles. It feels genuine. Like, it feels like, oh, look at this puny little thing. The, now, I'm... I'm I'm quite happy with him. Let me let me let me just end it there. I'm quite happy with him, and I I'm excited to watch True Lies, which we won't be discussing on the pod, but I'm excited to watch True Lies for the for the last one just to just to see how else Cameron uses him. I am too, and and like we said, we'll be discussing uh, our respective Cameron ranking lists. Should we do a documentary later on this month? Uh, I mean, I, I probably won't seek out those sci more scientific-oriented documentaries that he did, but 
If I have to watch Piranha 2, I'm just going to pick my spots here. So. Wait, should we should we include where he's a writer? We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure that out. All right. That is, that is, that's it. That's the Terminator in T2 in, in a, what has been a very, very peaceful and glowing discussion between us. Maybe it's the fact that yeah. I'm so docile this morning. Maybe, Christian. But it's also hard to be a hater for these movies. Obviously, they have their critics. Those, those folks do exist. But these two are pretty widely beloved when it comes to Cameron's career, Schwarzenegger's career, just Hollywood classics. These are both up there. And the franchise itself, of course, takes a dip after them. Terminator 3 does not have Cameron at the helm, and it's decent. But it, it has... the I love the Terminator in, in Terminator 3. The, the female Terminator. The female the Terminator. TX. Yes. Uh, and then Terminator Salvation comes a little bit later with your guy, Christian, Christian Bale, Bale. Which, which is, I have not seen. And it is not worth seeing, unless you're a huge uh, devoted fan of the franchise. I, I think it is quite bad. And I still have not gotten around to Terminator Genesis or, more recently, Dark Fate. I watched Dark Fate and I forgot the entire movie the next day. Nice. Both of those movies have, a f- have some fans, but also were not... Terminator Genesis, especially, was not particularly well-reviewed. So... I'd like to get to them eventually. I, I've, I've enjoyed my time with the franchise, even if Terminator Salvation is, I think, very bad. So, who knows? Maybe I'll get around to it someday. But for now, with these two pretty unimpeachable classics, very easy to recommend. The Terminator is streaming... I forget where. It's Maybe AMC has it right now, but Terminator 2 is streaming on HBO Max. And, of course, they're both rentable wherever you want to rent a movie, probably at your local library, definitely at a video store if you have one near you. So go check them out, literally. By video store? Do you mean Redbox? I mean, we live by a video store, Cinephile. Okay, sure, sure, sure. That's true. And we <laughs> Shout out to the it. good folks at Cinephile. Next uh, week, Christian, what is coming up for us on this continuing James Cameron Blend of the Month? So we're going to be discussing Aliens, the 1986 sequel to 1979's Alien. Now... Alien was directed by Ridley Scott. Aliens was directed by James Cameron. Alien 3, directed by David Fincher. That's a one, two, three punch, even though Alien 3 is not a very loved film. Neither is Piranha 2. Neither is Piranha 2, for similar reasons, unfortunately, for David Fincher. So, I'm... You haven't seen the first Alien, right? I have... No experience with the Alien franchise. And so I finally, finally am being forced to watch Alien and Aliens, and I'm extremely excited to do so. (laughs) We'll we'll only be discussing Aliens, but I highly, highly recommend... Like, honestly, if Alien is a a four-and-a-half-star movie, Aliens is a five-star movie for me. There's not much. It's like a half-star difference. I'm, I'm excited. I love... I love Aliens. I'm still torn between whether Aliens or Titanic is, is James Cameron's masterpiece. But um, there's there's something in Aliens that reminds me of T2. And I, I cannot wait to discuss that with you. And it's streaming right now on Stars, And so if you have Stars or if you want to do the Stars free trial on Prime, please feel free to do so. And that is our show. So if you are still hanging around to our pleasant morning discussion of the Terminator movies, we thank you so much for being here. There are a few other things you can do to support the show. Number one, of course, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and go ahead and leave us us a rating or a review. Warms our little hearts and we love to shout out those reviews here on the show as well. So those would be greatly appreciated. If you wouldn't mind, thank you. You can also send us some thoughts to cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. 
We sincerely appreciate listener feedback. Definitely just want to know what kinds of movies you want us to discuss, what kind of blends of the month we should get into, and if you have any ideas for things that you would actually like covered on the show, please let us know. We've taken those listener ideas very seriously before, and we'll continue to do so. So please send us your thoughts, again, at cinemadriftpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow myself and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Christian, any final thoughts for the folks listening along at home? This is a good month, y'all. This is a very good month. (laughs) It's going to be a fun one. Cameron's made a lot of great movies, and I'm looking forward to talking about them. Until next time, he's Christian, I'm Scott. We'll be back next week on the Cinema Drip Podcast. I'm sad you did that.